we worship Jesus? Show him how you feel. Show him how much you love him. Come on, folks. Lift up your voice as you lift up your hands, as you lift up your heart in the sanctuary of God this morning. Let's show him how we feel, shall we? I love you, Jesus. You're so good to us, God. Awesome Savior and an awesome God. Stay there, Steph. This, we're going back a long way here. That lady there, woo, 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we was the third ever um, daughter work out of, out of the home church. And myself and Stephanie, she was our worship leader on this old beat-up piano. And my croaky old English rocker's voice <laughs> would try to worship. But somehow we made it work, didn't we? But as I was standing there and I was watching people worship, a scripture came to my mind about Hezekiah and he was surrounded by the enemy. And he said, God, I'm going to die here. They're going to defeat us. They're going to wipe us off the face of the earth. He said, no, they're not. Just send the worshipers out. <laughs> Folks, if you learn to worship, you don't have to lift a finger. Because if you can worship, it brings in the power and the presence of God. Every situation, every circumstance, God will take care of it. If you would just worship. Send up the worshipers, Jesus. Let's worship, Steph. How awesome is God. So folks, please take your seats. It's wonderful to be home. Home is where I want to be, yeah. And I must admit, I, I did glance when I got out the car this morning. I did glance to the right. Bishop's not here. You think I'm joking? I was you watching? Oh, God. I'll be... <laughs> well, Pastor Wright, thank you. He... Asked me to preach here this morning and I do always find it's a great honor to be home and to be able to take the pulpit of some great men of God. My bishop and Pastor Wright, David Wright, myself have been very good friends for many years and as we've grown older, which we are getting older, every one of us. I see little, little children now with children of their own that we first met many years ago. But I do, I don't take lightly taking another man's pulpit. I have stood in uh, Spurgeon's pulpit in London. I have preached at pulpits where John Wesley has preached. So I love to stand in Bishop Wright and Pastor David Wright's pulpit, so I do not take this lightly. So anyway, I want to say thank you to them for the privilege and the honor. But I also want to greet you from Liverpool. And as they would sing this morning, he loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with a love like that, you know you should be. <laughs> Woo! We sing that all the time. Jesus, I want to hold your hand. Help! I need somebody's help. Not just anybody's help. You know, I need someone. Help! That's from Liverpool, so bless you all today from home. Because some of our guys are watching on the streaming, so good morning or good afternoon, Liverpool. Good to be with you, good to speak to you. Looking forward to being at home with them guys. As you probably realise that we are old Antiochers. And I don't mean old in age, mature, sorry, mature. And I know I'm in good shoes this morning because Sister Singletary said she prayed for me at five o'clock this morning. So we're going to have a blessed service. If she's prayed, we're done. She's already sent the worshippers forward. <laughs> so thank you, Sister Singletary, for praying for me because I need your prayer. I do, I do watch you often on your little blogs that you have, and I tell you what, it blesses me so much. Some of your pearls of wisdom, so I'm glad to see you this morning. If you would actually let me just preach a little bit, um, take my time. 
Okay, hang on a minute. Drink my tea. That's what you... Jesus will drink tea in heaven with us. That tea, where's Walt? Walt, I love you dearly. Americans don't make tea. You actually, your tea still tastes like the tea that you threw in Boston Harbor. You know that, don't you? Thank you so much for the... I came in, I know. I know you did. He he, he came up to me and said, "Can, can I get anything for you? I want a cup of tea. You do? I said, well, you're asking, you get anything. But if you're not going to, you know, if you can't get it, don't ask me. And apparently they went out and get the milk. Honey, they went up the street and got the milk for us. I was like, wow. I don't know, it was awesome service. So thank you, Walt. I've always loved that man and he's still here and he's still wonderful. So it's, it's great that I can get tea at the pulpit. <laughs> Pastor Wright, sorry, I'm, I am drinking tea. I do this in England. They bring tea to the pulpit. So I am in good homestead right here, aren't I? And Tony, Lewis, fancy seeing you here. Tony greeted me this morning with a big old smile. And I have, I, before I preach, let me just tell you something. I'm going to take my coat off too. Now this is funny. This is funny. I've been preaching recently in Texas. Oh Lord, help me when I'm down there. <laughs> they come up to me and go, Brother Hamer, I love that y'all preach, but I don't understand a word y'all say. So hopefully Maryland does please understand me. I was just saying to Tony this morning, Tony came into the kingdom of God. We had an awesome time, didn't we? We had an absolute blast. I mean, I taught him Bible studies, him and Maria, and we had the craziest nights, and we just had wild times. And But never forget, Tony came, I'm just going to diverge, is this okay, gents, if I diverge for a minute? Tony came to me, we worked together for years, for years and years and years, and he came to me, uh, this is before BC, I was in the kingdom, and Tony was on the way to it, and he came up to me, he was like, hey, can I get my check? How unusual for Tony Lewis to come and ask for a check, and I'm like, Tony, I won't be there Friday, he said, but I said, i tell you what, can you come Meet me on uh, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Well, Tony wanted his check. And I'll never forget it. I, I'm, I actually, Lavester, it might have even been you. That when I walked into the church, I was like, look, look, look. There's a guy coming. Tony Lewis, black fella, good looking dude. You're, you won't meet. I know, I'm telling you know. I said, you're good looking, dude. You? He said, but he's coming to see me. I said, you know where I sit? And I just sit right in the middle where you are, Phil. And I said, you know where I sit? Send him to me. He said, I know he's coming because he wants his check. <laughs> so I'll never forget standing there. And Sister Wright, 10 o'clock, woo, hit that Hammond organ. And it was awesome. It was like, push, you'd be off. And it was, yeah, worshipping. And well, all of a sudden, I'm standing there with my hands lit, and I nudged to my shoulder and Tony Lewis is standing next to me. And he's like, I was like, what are you doing? He said, I want my check. I said, Tony, this is the house of God. You don't do business in the house of God. Lift up your hands to heaven and worship God. And there's Tony going. <laughs> so this is, and I believe to be all things to all men. So he said, where's my check? I said, I forgot my checkbook. I didn't. I lied. I said, what you need to do, I'm really sorry. Can you come tonight at six? Well, obviously, if you know Tony by now, Tony was there before me. So Tony comes into church and got my check. I said, Tony, you said the house of God, lift up your hands. And I thought, I'm going to try something. And I'll never forget laying my hands upon him. And he received the most powerful, it was all, we took chairs, rows of chairs out in the back of the church. Any any means, any way, anyhow, I don't care. Tony Lewis, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But he was still, and after he received the Holy Ghost, I took him home and he laid on his couch and then he got the Holy Ghost again on the couch and fell on the floor. Maria's looking at me going, oh my God, what's wrong with my husband? 
She was a good Methodist. I said, he's got the Holy Ghost. And she's like, what's the Holy Ghost? I said, that. And he'd go, whoa, fall on the floor. And he'd roll all over the place. This is in his front room. All because Darrell Savage told a man about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hang on, Tony. So, folks, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word. I just wanted to get that out of the way. You need that check. Hey, come tonight at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Woo! There's joy in the Holy Ghost, people. And I love every piece of it. Jeremiah 2, verse 7. Do we have some technical men up there? Who's in the box? Who is it? Girls. I won't give you any hard time then because it's the girls. I thought it might be Adam Breckenridge or somebody. Starting in verse 7. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. The priests said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. And with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and Sea. Send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Has a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be you very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fainting of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. If you would just put your hands in the air once more to bless God. Father, it's your word this morning to go forward. We're just vessels, Jesus. Vessels seeking for more of you, that you would use this vessel of clay, the tongue and lips of clay this morning to minister to these precious people here at our home church today, God, I'll give all honor to you. I'll give all the praise and all the glory, all worship to you, Jesus. And I ask you to bless us in abundance this morning with your presence. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the church says together, Amen, Amen. God bless you, folks. Please take your seats and thank you for standing in respect and reverence of the word of God. Something really has always struck my heart here, that God would plead with his people. Why would God have to plead with his own creation? Are we that ignorant? Are we that dense? Stupid? Bible says stupid at one place, so I'm not saying something out of context. Are we that, that ignorant sometimes that we forget or re- realize or don't realize where God has brought us from? That God has to plead with his own people for the salvation of their souls? He pleads for salvation of our family's souls. And all he's looking for is a vessel that he can use to plead through. The word plead is to argue a case, a cause in a court of law. To make an allegation in an action or other legal proceeding, especially to answer the previous pleadings of other parties by denying facts. Therein stated or by alleging new facts, we have an adversary of our soul who stands constantly pleading against you and I. And we have the Paracletes, Jesus Christ, that stepped off the throne and stands representing the throne back to himself. So as he stands to the side, he took the heavenly garbs off, he took off the crown of the glory, and he stands in the flesh of humanity, turns back to the throne that is empty, and acts as the go-between between us and himself. When they wrote this about Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, they didn't understand that he had abdicated, he'd stepped off the throne. While he came upon the earth, he was in flesh. It was God manifest in the glory of himself on the earth, walking amongst us. What was he doing that for? To plead with us one more time. 
asking us, pleading with us, any way, any form or fashion he could come up with to plead with us that our souls would not be lost for eternity. To plead with his own creation. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, Even I, I am he that blotteth out the transgressions for mine own sake. He looks at us and for his own sake, he forgives us. So he doesn't have to have the burden of the things that he sees our humanity taking on board. He says, and I will not remember thy sins. He's pleading with us. Put me in remembrance. Remember, let's, let's go back to the first day that you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remember the day the anointing of God came upon you for the first time. Put us in remembrance. Put us in remembrance. Talk to me about these things. Don't forget where I brought you from. And he said, let us plead together. Things in my, over the last 27 years. How dense I have been over these 27 years to realize that when I began to understand what God had done for me and my understanding of what he was going to do and wanted to do for me and through me, it changed my paradigm thinking. I just had to change over. And when I began to realize who he was and what he had done for me, I began to even pray when we was at the old building. I, I remember a bishop we used to preach you know, about the miraculous and the power of God. And I never forget getting up one night and walking to the front of the altar, put my hands in the air and go, I want this. Simple as that. I didn't have to get on my knees and beg for it. I just said, God, I'm a vessel and I'm willing. Do whatever you've got to do. Say whatever you've got to say. I want to see you through me. I want to see you glorified. I want to see everything that I can see. And I want to receive everything I can receive. When I read this about pleading with him, I remember my prayer. I used to plead for my own family. And I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was pleading with God, don't let them be lost. Every single one of them. I remember the first one that came in, he's sitting right there. Paul, we're still at it, Paul. I know, we're still here, we're still going, we're still praying, we're still... But that was the first one. I mean, we, we, we go home together to our mother's funeral. I'd prayed my mother through a few months before. Thank God she received the Holy Ghost before she passed. We go home and Mark's there and we cast the devil out of our own, our own brother in his front room. Because I began to plead with God, don't let my family be lost. All we are is a vessel. But we have to be a willing, wanting vessel to allow God to do what God wants to do. And then from that point, my sister came with the children. <laughs> and then years later, I had the privilege of praying my own father through to the Holy Ghost and baptizing him. Because I began to plead with God for their souls for eternity. July the 5th of this year, our father passed away on my birthday. But he was an old man. And people said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, please don't be sorry. I had the privilege of baptizing him. I had the privilege of praying him through to the gift. He received the gift of the Holy Ghost in front of me. Don't be sorry for him. I want to go eventually where he is. His sins were washed. Everything he'd ever done the previous 74 years of his life was completely forgiven and forgotten because we began to plead for his soul with God. I know. Old Testament, God used to send prophet after prophet after prophet. Did they listen? What did God do to get the attention of Israel? He allowed foreign invaders to come in to the shores. He lifted up the borders of Israel and said, I will get your attention. And he allowed refugees from other nations to come in, bringing false gods and things that they didn't belong in the, in the kingdom of Israel. But he got their attention by picking up the borders. I wonder if God is still trying to get our attention by lifting up the borders of our nations and we have foreign people coming in. And I'm not talking about they are foreigners. The whole of America is built on foreigners. But the borders have been lifted and I believe God is trying to get out of tension. That they're bringing their gods with them. 
This does not change. This is exactly like it has been for thousands of years in Israel. Things haven't changed. Something new hasn't happened. It's exactly what happened when God wanted to bring Israel back to him to redeem them. He lifted up the borders of Israel and let them come in. Is he getting your attention yet? We complain and moan about what's going on. These are souls. These people need a witness. They need Jesus Christ. They don't need a false God. They need a real true experience with the kingdom of God, with the people of God. They're coming in for the purpose. They don't realize what we have. They don't even know what we have. God is still pleading for their souls. He's never stopped. And what does he use in the New Testament? He uses people. To plead for them. God is still pleading for their souls through you and I, through his church. Why do you think he created the church? That he could dwell within the midst of the church and plead for his own humanity. Come on folks. Work with me this morning. Preach with me. His intention is that none of us would ever be lost. His intention was nobody would be lost. He gave us the plan of salvation so the world around didn't have to be separated from him forever. That's his plan. It's his intention that none of us would be, and I'm going to say in hell. Because he says hell was not created for us. It was created for Satan and the fallen angels, proving that it's not God's intention for us to be there. Because it wasn't created for you and I. That's why he gives us a plan, a salvation. That's why he came to the earth. That's why he died. He doesn't want us to be there. His intention completely is our salvation. Alrighty. Our response to his plea gives us the ability to receive it or to refuse it. So then we are making up our own choice. I want it or I don't want God. I want you or I do not want you. That's his free will given to every man that is born. We're just starting here, okay? Time and time again, we've had preachers come to these pulpits. I heard a a young man a few weeks ago, I was online watching Joe somebody, Pampanelli or Tompanelli or who's? That's the same man. I just... Tune in because I like to hear what's going on and I like to hear what's being preached. It was powerful. It was, it was awesome. I mean, it was bulletproof. Can't argue with that stuff. That is the privilege of the church. It was still God pleading with his people. I listened to this man stand back and say, folks, will you listen? He was reading the word of God. I could see through him that God was still pleading with his church. I could hear his voice pleading. All it takes is to open your mouth and speak salvation into a soul. That's all it takes. I stand here because of a man told me about Jesus Christ. But the awesome thing is, Daryl Savage, <laughs> I went online a few weeks ago and did see you stand up about right there. But it was a Saturday morning, but I didn't know what was said. So I did a little research and I found out what was said. And yes, we are, de- we are deputizing right now and we go from church to church. Oh, this is our third deputation. Do you know how many churches we've preached at? Do you know how many people we've seen receive the Holy Ghost? Thousands. It's, it's a phenomenal journey that we're on. But my, my mind-blowing thought was what David, Pastor David Wright said to Daryl. In our fellowship just alone, a lot of people know me and my wife and my family. Lots of people, thousands of people know me and my family because we are a missionary and we go to church to church. But what I really, really loved is when Pastor Wright said, but how many people know Daryl Savage's name? But if it wasn't for you, Daryl, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Somebody through, through a vessel of God pleaded to another man and said, you need to come to church with me. Meet me at church on a Sunday morning. And I came... Oh God, 20, nearly 28 years ago into a church because somebody was pleading for me in my soul and my family. So Daryl, 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Because my family are all in the kingdom of God. All of them are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in Jesus' name. Because somebody decided to plead to me. Joel 3, 1 and 2. For behold, in those days... And in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations. Folks, this is happening right now. Do you know that Turkey, Russia and Iran have just formed a pact? In Syria right now, the Iranians have turned some of their military and are facing actually towards Israel. People aren't realizing what's going on. These things are happening. Iran has said that when they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, I could say this kindly, Iran, try it. But if they do, me and you better be prayed up. Because what we are reading from Joel here right now is happening today. It's happening as I'm standing here. Because he said, I will also gather all nations and I'll bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. This is happening right now. Our nations are gathering around Jerusalem. We have the British army, the Americans are stationed there, the Germans are stationed there, the Turkish. I mean, they're all looking. We don't realize if you don't look into it truly what is going on. It's happening. We went to Jerusalem a year and a half ago and it blew my mind that I stood in Nazareth. And Nazareth, as I turned my back on, on the actual uh, city, I looked at a huge valley just beyond the city. And as I'm standing there, I asked the guide, I said, what's that valley? He said, that's the valley of Armageddon. I said, you telling me Jesus stood for 30 years looking at the final place of his own creation? Then would he would return when the battle starts over there? He said, yes. He spent 30 years looking at the final place of his own creation's demise. No wonder he prays for us. No wonder he is pleading with us. The most fascinating thing was when we went to the Garden of Gethsemane. When I stood at the garden, I could see the eastern gate, and that's where Christ will walk back through. It's right there. You can't miss it when you're standing in the garden. And I looked over, but then I looked to the right. That was, that was where Calvary is. He actually seen the final place of his body being tortured, and then he sees the exact place he's coming back to get us. He's going to change the world when he goes through that eastern gate. And I began to put all these things together when I was there. And if you've never been to Israel, tried. It's phenomenal to go to Jerusalem. It made more sense to me to be there than anywhere else I've ever been. When I began to put the scriptures together, and then the Jewish and the Arabs began to tell us exactly what was going on around Jerusalem. It really caught my attention. We are at the throes of the last moments. Forget the last days. We're at the throes of the last seconds of humanity as we know it. And I hope this is going to sober us up, but it, it, it's, it's something that when I look at this and I go, go to a, a meal yesterday with Daryl, we had lunch together. We happened to, I, I needed to let my wife go and do her stuff. So I was like, who can I have lunch with? Tony's going to buy lunch today. Thank you, Tony, for blessing the preacher this morning. So I get, Daryl, what are you doing? Let's go for lunch. My wife is doing cinnamon rolls. I don't want to go and do cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. She says, you go with your family. And fa-. I went with Daryl. We're going to have a Bible study tomorrow with the waitress. All because somebody's sitting there that knows full well what God has done for them. And all we begin to do was speak about the church and the things. And I said, this man asked me to come to church. And the woman was fascinated. We sat there for an hour and a half with her. Tomorrow, we're going to preach, teach. And I hope tomorrow we pray through to the Holy Ghost. That's the whole goal of the church. is to continue to plead with God's creation. Knowing full well what he's done for me. Why wouldn't I want to give this to somebody else? Why wouldn't I want to just open my mouth and speak about the goodness and the awesome things that God has done for me? Pleading with his creation. Why does God have to plead with us? I'm gonna, can I get down there for one second? Years ago, and I thought about it this morning. Years ago, Bishop was preaching. I'm sweating. It's hot in here. 
And about here, sorry, Phil, it's going to be you. And then he came up and he freaked me out, which he does have a lot. And he went, if you was in jail, I said, yes, I'm thinking, have I? <laughs> and you're going to die. You're going to be hung by your neck or you're going to be electrocuted. He said, how would you feel if you're in jail and you're waiting? The day's come. You've been convicted. The judge has put the gavel down this day, this time. Phil, you're going to die because you're going to pay for the crime. What would you feel like? This is what Bishop doing to me and I'm going, <laughs> I said, I wouldn't like it. He said, so right now you can hear the feet of the guards. And when I did find out that people don't just get up and go, okay, I'm going to be hung by my neck, and this is going to be a wonderful experience this morning, I am now going to go and die. They don't. They bring guards because they have to literally physically manhandle them to take them to the death. It's not a pleasant experience. And it, I, I just kind of want to put this together. And he, you, you've got these guards coming down the corridor and the door's open to the cell and you know a few steps away you're going to hear a dead man walking. And you're going to be probably carried, kicking and fighting and screaming to your death. You're going to pay for a crime that you've committed and you deserve this. But as they're coming into the room and as they physically go to grab hold of you because you don't want to go, you know, you're not happy about this at all. And then a man comes and stands at the door of the cell, Phil. And he goes, stop it. Let him go. I'll die in his place today. I know what crimes he's committed. I know he deserves this penalty. But today, Phil, you go home and tell the world exactly what I've done for you. Because today, I'm going to die in your place. How would you feel, Phil? How would we feel? That I'm sitting there going to die. I deserve the punishment. I deserve it. That's what the law said is going to happen to me if I do this. That's why it's a great deterrent. I deserve it. But then Jesus Christ walks in and says, you know, Tony, I'm going to die in your place. Son, I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know what you've said. But today, I love you that much. I'm not going to let you go through this. I will go through it on your behalf. God's still pleading with his creation. And why would we have to look at God as he pleads with us? If we know that he's done that for us, Phil. How still would God have to plead with us? When we begin to understand what he has done. He has set me free from something I fully deserve. The penalty was already in place. It was already the day and the time was ready for me. But God began to plead with me and begin to call my name out of darkness. He began to plead with me and he sends up someone to plead on his behalf that I wouldn't have to go to the punishment for eternity. Let me finish. Let me finish this. I'm going to move to the New Testament. Romans 8, 27. The Father knows who knows all hearts. you got no chance. You can't hide. You can do whatever. You can sit on the seats of a church for 20 years, get an attitude, get offended and leave. He knows your heart. That's why so many people think they're still okay when they're outside of the boundaries of the church. It doesn't work that way. Because he knows all hearts. He knows what people are like. He became one of us. He, he's had those thoughts. He's had those feelings. He's had those emotions. But he knew how to deal with them. We don't. So he takes our place so he can deal with them for us. <laughs> he knows all hearts. He knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit leads, pleads, sorry, for us believers. The Spirit of God is still pleading even though we are believers. Pleading with us, okay, you've come into my kingdom, but don't leave. Deal with your attitudes. Deal with your circumstances. Let me help you get through these things. Pleading with us still as believers in harmony with his own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together. Everything. <laughs> this year, my birthday, my father passed away. How bizarre. I, I, I ministered the funeral, thank God, and... I was there basically within minutes before he passed away and 
even to that point, there were still things that I had to deal with and God dealt with me that day. (laughs) Still thinking everything was fine, but there were still things that right there and then that God just prodded me, just gently pleaded with me, okay, deal with that. It's time to, time to bring this to the surface. And I'm thinking, why? This, this has been dealt with. Obviously, it hadn't been. But it took his death for me to wake up and go, wow. Sorry, Father. I didn't know that was still there. <laughs> so all these things happen for the good that those who love God, love God. And we know that God causes this for a purpose. I'm reading the Amplified and New Living here. For the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance. Let me start right there. He knew His people in advance. He knew you in advance. What's the purpose of knowing you in advance? What's your purpose in life? Why did he know you before the foundations of the earth? Why did he know your name before the, when he said, let there be light? Because you have a purpose. He knew those people in advance. He knows the church in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. The doxia, the self-manifestation of God. No wonder when Paul, Peter and John went to the gate beautiful. And the man who was lame all his life was sitting at the gate, Solomon's porch. The first thing they said was look at us. There was something that Peter and John had understood that had just happened at the day of Pentecost. They had now had the glory of God upon them. The world needs to see the glory, the manifestation of God upon His church. (laughs) So when that man looks at them, And he said, I haven't got what you're actually looking for. It's not silver and gold. It's not money I've got. But what I do have is this. Rise up and walk in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The man didn't expect that. But the man had realized what had happened. Now the self-manifestation of God is upon me. The world needs to see this church. Not in these four walls, at the restaurant, at the gas station, at the workplace. He knew who you was before you were even born. He knew that you was going to be called to his side. It gives you a purpose in life when you begin to understand these things. Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. To give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Remember that, Phil? Look what He's done for us. And all He says, give your body, give your life over to Him because of what He's done for you. And let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. He's giving everything about you back to Him. And Paul said, this is how you worship. And he said, if you learn to worship, I can take care of everything. This is truly the way to worship Him. King David went to the priests of Nod. King David was the anointed king. Where did he go to? He went to a priest. He went to the pastor. He said, I'm having problems, preacher. I got problems all over the place. The king's trying to kill me. I'm on the run. And he said, do you still have the sword that I defeated Goliath with? He said, yes, we do. He said, can I have it back? 
he'd realized the enemy that he defeated, the weapon that he used to have, he no longer held. And the priest came out and he was wrapped in an ephod. And an ephod is the ephod of worship. Inside of the ephod, inside of the worship, was the weapon that David needed to come back and to destroy his enemy. That's worship. Inside of worship is the exact sword. It is the instrument of what we need to, when we give God the true worship. When we give God ourselves and hand ourselves over to Him. He said that is the way to worship Him. And in that worship I will defeat every enemy. I will take care of every circumstance. I will take care of every situation. That is the way to worship Him. <laughs> Come on, folks, preach with me. I'm nearly done. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Holy means to be holy. It means to be separate. No wonder they could see something on Peter and John. They were holy. They were separate. They looked different. They acted different. They spoke different. There was something about them that the world could see and they could see the glory of God. They decided to give their lives over to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, that's the way to worship me. And when they're going to the place, where were they going? They were going to worship. On the way to worship, there was miracles. Come on, folks. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. <laughs> then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <laughs> the church world has become a farce. I'm not mentioning any preachers' names of TV evangelists and you call them what they like. It is a joke. You just show up here, put some money in the pot and God's going to give you a brand new car. A great life. He loves you. We know he loves us. He died for us. Just put money in an envelope and you'll be blessed a hundredfold. You liars. They are these shepherds. If you go back to the first scripture, don't go up there, but you go back, he said, the pastors have even transgressed. He said, they, they have left me alone and they're building these incredible mega churches without me. And do you want me to, I'll give you proof, I'm diverse in here, but I'll give you proof. In the book of Revelation in 3, there was the last church, it was called the Laodicean church. Apparently we are the, we are the depiction, we are the last church, we are the Laodicean church. And it says that, he says to that church, you think you're rich and increased with goods. But I say that you are blind, you're wretched and you're naked, you're miserable. And he said, buy some eye salve from me. Let me, let me show you, open your eyes, change your thinking and let me show you what I'm all about. But where was he standing when he was saying these things? Read what the scripture says. He said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Jesus, apparently according to the book of Revelation, will be on the outside of the church trying to knock and to come inside of the church. And I would pray, church, that we are the church that he is on the inside, that we do have the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have the indwelling presence of the Almighty God, that we are the end time church, that God's glory would rest upon and the world around us will be able to see and recognize him through us. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Are you that church? Is the glory of God truly being reflected and, and emulating through you? Is it, or is he still on the outside trying to get in according to his word? 2 Corinthians 5, I'm closing. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God. All of it. The very planet that you and I live on is a gift. You remove humans from the earth. What's the purpose of the earth? Think about it. Everything that we need is in the earth. 
our food, our meat, our water, our fruit and vegetables. What is all that for? It's to sustain human life. That's why he says in the book of Psalms, I created the world to be inhabited. And he said, all of this is a gift from God. Our life is a gift from God. The very breath I am breathing right now, the very heartbeat that I have is a gift from God. (laughs) And who bought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. I know you can read it, it's behind me. What's our task? Say it again. That's our task. To reconcile the world through us to Him. Still pleading with His own creation that we would be reconciled with Him. And that is our task of reconciling the people to Him. For God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to Himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. And read it again. So we are Christ's ambassadors. That God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. (laughs) Come back to God, earth. Creation, come back to God. We are pleading on his behalf. Paul recognized this when he wrote to the Corinthians church. Go and get the Corinthians. Plead with them and reconcile them back to God. Because when you speak on his behalf, you speak as an ambassador. An ambassador, believe it or not, is the only person of any government that can declare war apart from the prime minister or the president or whomsoever who would be the head of the nation. An ambassador is the only person that can declare war. So he makes us the one who can declare war against darkness. When you speak on my behalf, you declare war against him. When you speak as my ambassador, it's not you speaking, it's me speaking. I am pleading through you for them. An ambassador of Christ. Come on, church. Walk out of here today. I believe, brethren, that when I walk in this town, I love this town. I love Annapolis. I I was born and raised, if you want to say, on the seats of the church here. But when I still walk, I believe I've got nuclear explosions, Ron. I do. I don't care where I am. Something is, I've changed my thinking. I believe wherever I go, I got the power of the Almighty God. And when I speak to a human being, I am not speaking on my behalf. And I'm speaking on his behalf. I am pleading with them. Because as an ambassador, I have taken the full authority. I have destroyed the works of darkness that are around me. I'm an ambassador. Declare war. Woo! For God made Christ, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. He's done nothing wrong, Tony. But he died in our place, sinless. And he still has to plead with us. Recognize what he has done at that death. When he gave his body over to be beaten, to be murdered in the most brutal of fashions. It is the most heinous way to die, crucifixion. And that's what he says. He died. 
He became the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Him. I'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. As God's partners. (laughs) I am a partner with the God that said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be life. And there was life. And I'm a partner with this. I am a signed, delivered, sealed partner with Christ himself who has emblazoned me with his name upon my baptism in his name for the remission of my sins. I'm an ambassador. I'm a friend. I'm a partner with him. A partner to do what? Reach the world. That's why he died, that everybody would have a chance, an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God before they left the earth. And I am a partner with him on his mission. Oh, Jesus. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness. And then ignore it. Let that sink in. They were pleading as God's partners with the world. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of kindness and then do nothing with it. Oh, Jesus. He says, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. (laughs) At just the right time. Daryl, you came into my life just at the right time. Tony, I came into your life just at the right time. He said, because somewhere in this, he said, I heard you. You don't know why I'm standing here. I prayed one prayer, which I had never prayed truly in my life. In 1989, at the end of the year, I laid Matthew Hemus, he's now 30 years of age. I laid him in a crib, cut, call it what you do. And I said, God, if you're real, I cannot be a father to my son like my father was to me. God heard my prayer. Within so many weeks, I met a man called Daryl Savage. God heard my prayer. How many other prayer is God hearing right now? But there's somewhere there's not a vessel willing and able and ready to take that person who's been praying and God is orchestrating and lining all these things up because he wants you to plead for their souls. He said, just at the right time, I heard you. But I want you to listen because there are other people that I'm hearing too. Be that person that was to you, also to them. I heard you at that time. And he said, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. (laughs) Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Church, will you stand together with me this morning? Folks, we're going to pray this morning. Steph, if you could come and just touch the organ this morning and play. Just give us a worship song. Today is the day of salvation. He's not only pleading with the world around us. He's pleading with the church. Church, even though you're in the kingdom, don't be lost. Don't be lost. I'm still pleading with you. We came into the kingdom in a flurry of supernatural power of God. We felt His love. We felt His joy. We felt His peace. But then what do we do? He said, don't. We beg you not to accept. Don't just get the Holy Ghost. And then ignore what God has given to you. Would you come and pray this morning? Would you come out of your seats this morning and come and pray? Father, we're going to plead with you this morning.
I've already prayed with somebody earlier. That release what's in your heart today at this altar of God. Come and plead with Him and let God deal with your circumstance. Let God deal with your situation. As you begin to worship this morning. He said, in the worship, I can destroy your enemy. In that worship, in that reverence and worship unto Him. He said, I can take care of any situation. I can take care of any circumstance. Come to worship. Come on, church, let's just worship. In that worship, he said, this is how you worship. This is how you do it. We have the glory of God upon us this morning. Let that glory manifest itself. Reveal the glory of God this morning. As you lift up your heart and your hands in this sanctuary. God, I'm pleading for some things this morning. You knew me before the foundation of the earth, God. You knew me. You called me to you for this purpose. You knew yesterday. You knew last week. You knew last year. You know tomorrow. Bless your people this morning, God. Bless them abundantly, Jesus. Our heart, God, pleading with you. Worship, God. As we give you worship this morning, inside of that worship is the very weapon that the enemy doesn't want you to have. It's wrapped in the worship. It's a reasonable service. It's a holy sacrifice that He finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. In our worship this morning, lay down these things. Lay down life. Lay down your issues. Lay down your emotions. As I worship you today, Jesus. My reasonable service. Because it is you and you alone, Father. You and you alone, Father. I can do nothing of my own. Forgive me of taking all the burdens back on, all the weights of this world. Forgive me of listening to things that were degrading, things that were demeaning for libel and slander. God, I laid down here in worship this morning. Pleading with you today, Jesus. Don't let my family be lost. Pleading with you, God. Don't let me be lost. I don't want to take this gift and do nothing with it. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be the church that you died for, Jesus. I want to be the church. That you died for, God, not on the outside, knocking, trying to come in. I want to be on the inside with you, a partner with you, a partner in your mission, pleading with your creation. Plead this morning, church. Plead with Him this morning. Worship Him today. Bless us as we worship Jesus. Take care of these things in our life, in our heart, God, as we worship this morning. Surrender your heart, your life, your soul, your spirit. Surrender your family to Him. Plead on their case. Plead for their cause. Hear my 
God, please today, Jesus. Come on, church, keep pleading. Don't just come to the altar, do our typical prayer, and go away and walk away thinking about nothing changed. Plead with Him, talk to Him. Let him change me, you, circumstances and situations that only God can do. In our worship, defeat your enemy. In our worship, defeat your problems. In Jesus' name we pray.